Welcome to BIV's Indigenous Business Leadership Podcast Series. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Publisher and Editor-in-Chief. This episode, of course, is being broadcast from the unceded territories of the Coast Salish people, including Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Our Indigenous Business Leadership Podcast focuses on Indigenous leadership, entrepreneurship, and reconciliation. And today, we're going to explore the role corporations can play in advancing Indigenous priorities and economic reconciliation. Our episode today is sponsored by Fortis BC. More than 1.2 million people, including those in 57 First Nations communities, rely on Fortis to deliver the safe, affordable natural gas, electricity, and innovative energy solutions they need every day. Fortis BC is committed to reconciliation and for 20 years has used its statement of Indigenous principles to reinforce the importance of respectful, authentic relationships. Fortis BC continues to learn from and partner with Indigenous thought leaders, businesses, and community members, and sees these relationships as fundamental to achieving a more inclusive, lower carbon energy future for British Columbia. Our conversation today is joined by Roger Dallantonio. He's the President and Chief Executive Officer for Fortis BC. He oversees both their electricity and natural gas business operations. He has more than 25 years of experience in the energy industry. He's been a trusted in many new uh, leadership roles throughout the organization. Uh, he serves on the board of directors of the Canadian Gas Association, Canadian Electricity Association, and Western Energy Institute, as well as the board of governors for the BC Business Council. Uh, he's previously served on the board of the Down Syndrome Research Foundation and Resource Center, and he holds a BBA from Simon Fraser University and an MBA from the Ivy School of Business at the University of Western Ontario, and he's a charter financial analyst. Now, leading our discussion today, I'm really pleased to have Chastity Davis Alphonse with us. She's a multi-award winning Indigenous Relations Strategic Advisor, founder of Chastity Davis Consulting, and she's also the editor of Makupi Salem, which I'm very proud to say is our inaugural Indigenous Business Magazine, which is out today. So Chastity, I'm gonna hand it over to you and welcome Roger, and I look forward to the conversation. Thanks, Kurt. Thank you so much, Kirk, for having me here today and for arranging for this really important discussion uh, with Fortis and Roger today. So really happy to be coming to you from the traditional territories of the Sequetmic peoples, um, otherwise known as 150 Mile House, where I reside uh, part-time with my Chilcotin husband. Hello, Roger, wonderful to have some time and space to share with you today. That's nice to meet you very, uh, very much looking forward to the conversation today. Me too. Um, I uh, am aware of Fortis uh, and um, I've been in the field for about 15 years and know that Fortis has been an active partner um, to Indigenous communities and peoples. So looking forward to learning a little bit more about that today. Great. So we'll start, Roger, with the question, what is Fortis BC's approach to Indigenous engagement and how has that evolved over time? So uh, this is a long, uh, a good question with a long answer because it, uh, you know, we've been in this uh, space uh, uh, for decades. I mean, we've been in BC serving British Columbians uh, uh, for well over 100 years on the electric and natural gas side, and we, you know, we serve 57 Indigenous communities directly. We cross uh, probably 140 traditional territories uh, all told. So we've got a long history of engagement. You know, the key uh, word I'd use in our approach is really evolution, right? Like it's a continuously, it's a, it's a, a continuous learning, if you will. So, you know, I would say as a bedrock 
principle, our approach is based on a desire to really improve our understanding of the diverse histories and cultures of uh, Indigenous communities that we serve. Uh, and we use that as a basis to uh, hopefully achieve respectful and sustainable uh, relationships that are that are mutually beneficial. I think, you know, back to that concept of evolution, like, you know, you, there, there's so much uh, rich history and so much diversity that you're always trying to understand um, uh, and, and learn from Indigenous uh, uh, communities that we serve. And for us, the, the, the approach really has been, uh, you know, if I go back, you know, 20 plus years, 21 years ago, we introduced our statement of Indigenous principles. Uh, we had been doing quite a bit of work in the, uh, in the Southern interior with, uh, with pipeline expansion uh, over on Vancouver Island, uh, working on major projects engaging Indigenous uh, communities. And, you know, we started with uh, one individual, Bruce Falstead, in our Indigenous relations group. Uh, he helped engage Indigenous uh, thought leaders uh, to develop uh, our statement of Indigenous principles, and that sort of set the, the baseline that we would approach uh, following these nine principles, uh, effective, respectful, open communication and relationships with Indigenous uh, communities. And, you know, in that last 20 years, you know, with, with one individual and that statement, we now have a diverse team of probably over 30 individuals that are touching various aspects of our uh, various relationships with Indigenous communities. Um, and, you know, we've also now tried to take what was a project-driven approach where we're in a certain community on a certain project and trying to embed uh, Indigenous participation in a broader uh, lens of our business, given that I think we have an important role to help advance uh, those economic interests. Yeah, that's, uh, I was going to say, I know Bruce, um, and he's sort of been the face of Fortis Indigenous Relations for a long time. It's wonderful to hear that um, uh, he has been a part of leading um, the expansion of the team uh, of the Indigenous Relations and the company um, beyond uh, just himself and project-based um, relationship building, which is really important. Uh, so thank you for sharing about the evolution. I'm interested in hearing a little bit more. You talked about the statement of Indigenous principles. Um, I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about what is the company's statement of Indigenous principles? How is this created? And are there some examples of how these have been applied or involved in decision-making? Yeah, for sure. So the, um, the statement of Indigenous principles really is, uh, uh, well, you break it down at, at, at the at the core of it. It's really a, a, a guide a, a guidelines for how we as an organization, how our people are going to engage with uh, indigenous communities. Um, as as a as a as a concept, it's really a commitment it's a commitment to building effective, sustainable relationships over time with indigenous uh, uh, communities and making sure that we have the structure, we have the resources and the skills necessary to maintain those relationships. So that's the, the concept. And, and the way we achieve it is, you know, nine principles, nine guiding principles. Um, and, you know, they, not to go through the nine, but they're really about how we engage, right? How we, we, we seek opportunities to acknowledge and respect and understand the communities we serve, uh, how we are going to support, uh, 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 access to economic opportunities, uh, how we're going to uh, uh, put put in place and attract Indigenous employment uh, 
uh, opportunities, uh, how we're going to encourage awareness and understanding of Indigenous action. So, you know, there's, there's, it's really about making sure that we are treating our, our approach is not just from our perspective, okay, we need to build a, a transmission line on the electric side or uh, a pipeline on the, on the gas side, a gas line, but it's really, okay, within that community that we're, we're in, you know, what is the framework, how our folks are going to engage with our partners in the Indigenous community. What's interesting, we put it in place uh, in uh, 2001, uh, Bruce led that effort, and it was an engagement of various Indigenous uh, thought leaders, uh, business uh, people, to, to better understand, not like specific uh, outcomes, but really, okay, what should the relationship look like? What are the keys to understanding the relationship? So there is an emphasis on understanding history, understanding uh, culture. And when you look at some of the things that have come out since the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission 2015 uh, under you know, some of the, the, the perspectives in there, uh, you know, are, were already embedded in our 2001 statement of principles. So, you know, for us, uh, it led us to be one of the organizations that, you know, we were supportive of the BC government legislating uh, under it because we saw it as consistent with what we'd already been trying to put into practice uh, since 2001. Not going to sit here and say that that it's it's easy. I mean, this is this is this is really important and hard work. Uh, but we take some comfort that you know what we had put in place with input from Indigenous communities it has stood the test of time, and we still reflect on it. And we still see it relevant twenty years later. Thank you for sharing about your journey with the creation of the statement of principles and where you're at with it today. Um, the themes that you're talking about this morning in regards to Fortis's relationship with Indigenous peoples is about evolution. So I'm one. I'm curious about uh, where you see there is opportunity for Fortis to continue to evolve um, their uh, statement of principles, or your truth and reconciliation commitment, or your to expand and enhance your relationship building with Indigenous peoples and communities. Yeah. That, yeah, so this is for us, uh, you know, really, uh, I, I'd be remiss not to reflect on the, uh, the, the news over Kamloops a couple of weeks ago, the, uh, the tragic uh, finding of the 215, uh, remains of 215 children. Um, in a way, you know, um, it's, I know talking to Indigenous leaders, that's something that's been well known within Indigenous communities. I think the sheer size of this issue is now raising the uh, discussion much more into the mainstream where, where, where it should be. And so, you know, understanding a lot of our approach the last uh, couple of years of the evolution, the biggest thing for us is awareness, right? It's, it's really um, trying to uh, better understand uh, the history, uh, the diversity of culture, and uh, make sure that we are approaching uh, the, the engagement at a local level, trying to understand what, you know, what different communities uh, need and, and what, what their different perspectives are. So, you know, our, our principles, I think, are, are, are still the applicable ones. What we've done more recently is we've embarked on uh, uh, certification uh, of what's called the PAR program. That is um, a, a program that is sponsored by the Canadian uh, Council for Aboriginal Business, CCAB. They have what's called the PAR program, Progressive Aboriginal Relations, uh, which is really a framework. There's, there, I'm sure there's other frameworks, but we chose PAR as a framework to 
integrate uh, our approach to uh, Indigenous relations more broadly in the organization. I think, you know, we, we look at communities based on the work we're doing in communities. We look at uh, engagement around major projects where there's a lot of activity. Uh, but, you know, PAR is creating what I would say is a framework that focuses inward to make sure that the organization is looking for opportunities to, you know, A, uh, increase their, their awareness of in Indigenous histories and, and peoples, uh, is looking for what I would say are, uh, you know, business development opportunities. You know, can we, can we, can we pursue energy efficiency investments in Indigenous communities? Can we look at uh, procurement strategies uh, touching, uh, you know, tapping into the network of Indigenous-owned businesses? Uh, can we develop uh, more effective workforce strategies on our major projects to make sure that there's Indigenous participation? So the, uh, while that's consistent with our principles, what the PAR program does is it gives us what I'd say is a framework that signals our intent to our workforce. We have 2,500 people who are employed by Forest BC to start thinking about how in their area they can advance uh, our, our work in this area. So, you know, I think uh, it's now trying to take those principles, making sure we have the, the resources in place in our organization to support the next step, which is uh, a more uh, complete framework that touches on different parts of the business to engage with Indigenous uh, communities. Thank you for talking about that. And we did previously have um, the CEO of CCAB on here <laughs> on this podcast series to talk about um, the PAR process. So it's interesting to hear from you on how that's being implemented in your company. I'm interested, you also talked about the um, recent findings of the 215 uh, Indigenous children that were found um, out at, in Kamloops. And you, you are right in saying that this isn't news uh, to Indigenous communities. Um, and so I'm interested in hearing from you, uh, from your perspective, is what role can large corporation, corporations such as Fortis uh, play um, and, and how can they contribute to uh, reconciliation, truth and reconciliation with Indigenous communities beyond like economic development, but also um, being partners in around like findings of the 215 Indigenous children and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big question. <laughs> that's a, that's an important question. Uh, I would say that our our uh, I, I would break it into two. Like we think as businesses, uh, really around as a business, you know, the fact that we're a business, our role is making sure that we can support uh, you know ec the economic part of that of the reconciliation, making sure that you know you know we have a role, and businesses like Forsbc have a role in making sure that we're pursuing um, uh, economic opportunities where Indigenous communities are participating. I think that's an important role and that's one important aspect of reconciliation because I do think, you know, communities will, will benefit. Um, but, you know, and in that aspect, it's, it's, I think, what I mentioned earlier, we see our role as making sure that we're going beyond just the, um, uh, the, the specific projects. So we're looking at, you know, supply chain opportunities, workforce training opportunities, uh, uh, how do we uh, have economic participation in certain projects? Uh, I can touch on that a little bit later. But to your broader question, I do think business generally under the guise of the uh, ESG movement 
uh, you know, businesses realize that they have an important role to make sure that they are having a positive social impact. And in the Canadian context, you know, I think the uh, support of Indigenous communities is a big piece of that. So taking it outside of the, the, the economic, there is the social uh, activity. And this is something that for us, the way we're approaching it is really a, a commitment to uh, advance awareness of our workforce, of the history of uh, Indigenous uh, people. So, so, you know, I think it was in 2019 or 2020, we started a series, uh, Indigenous Awareness Training Series, where we would have um, Indigenous uh, uh, leaders come in and provide uh, training sessions, modules for our employees. I think in 2020, uh, we put about 250 folks through uh, high-level training just to understand the history, uh, different cultures, uh, the journey. Um it's very well received. Uh, so our goal now by the end of 2022 is to make sure at least, you know, try to get as many of our 2,500 employees to go through at least one of those sessions to start engaging and you know, raising the awareness of, of, the, of the history. And I think that is something that businesses can do internally is to provide the, uh, the form and the opportunity and the platform for uh, their employees to uh, become more aware and, and bring curiosity and their time to that, uh, to to seek that uh, that education, um, you know, I think also you know we are in uh, one of our roles, uh, one of our approaches in our community uh, investment is to help support grassroots initiatives in various communities, be it a training center, uh, be it uh, a cultural awareness uh, uh, event. So just trying to help support what each community might need or where they see. Uh, an opportunity that would suit their community. So it's not a one size fit all. It's not a, what I would say, a, 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 you know, a, a one overarching program. It's really trying to have a number of different actions. So different uh, uh, folks can then participate where they see uh, uh, the need and the opportunity and, and ensuring that we are trying to, um, uh, you know, not lose sight of the fact that it's a very diverse culture. I mean, there's, I think, 200 and four recognized Indigenous communities in, in BC, uh, uh, over 200. And then, you know, we touch on so many of them. It's really trying to make sure that uh, we're, we're giving enough uh, space to understand and celebrate that diversity. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, Roger, about meeting communities where they're at and uh, recognizing that it's not a one size fits all, but um, building those really meaningful relationships to meet them where they're at and support the priorities that are important to communities. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm also interested in, uh, you sound like you have a number of initiatives um, that are excite, exciting uh, that you're building with in partnership with communities. So I'm, I'm interested in what are Florida species priorities moving forward as it relates to economic reconciliation and, engage, and Indigenous engagement? Yeah, so uh, I think the near-term priorities, I would split them into uh, the you know, think, going back to the PAR framework, uh, given that we've you had a discussion on that in the previous podcast, uh, which I did listen to, which was uh, which was quite well done, uh, very informative for me, uh, and uh, would encourage others to uh, to listen to that podcast. Uh, you know, I, I think we are, and it's no no surprise, our near term priorities do line up with the pillars in the PAR program. So I would say, you know, uh, first step uh, in one of our priorities is that awareness, just that, that awareness and, and understanding. So 
We have the, uh, the, the awareness uh, training that we're doing for our employees. Uh, this is National Indigenous History Month. We're running a number of seminars, lunch and learns, where we're bringing in uh, uh, different Indigenous uh, presenters to uh, you know discuss various topics. We had one yesterday on the history of treaties. Uh, we have one coming up on uh, you know what is a powwow and the regalia and what does it mean. We have one on drumming. Uh, again, just to provide some space and, and celebrate the, the history and get and make it easier for our folks to make the connection uh, and uh, and uh, engage uh, on it. Um, getting beyond the the awareness uh, uh, side of it, the cultural awareness uh, uh, appreciation, I would say uh, workforce strategy is a really important one for us. Um, you know, we are in a number of communities with major projects, so when we do major projects. Uh, our larger scale projects, we look for opportunity to develop a workforce strategy, either contracting with Indigenous-owned uh, businesses or uh, the contractors we use that may not be Indigenous-owned. Are they uh, uh, ensuring that there's some opportunity for the uh, local Indigenous community to participate in, in, in the workforce for a major project? Uh, our supply chain, you know, given the size of our organization, you know, natural gas and electricity across uh, the province, you know, we have a fairly uh, large-scale procurement uh, program that covers a number of different uh, areas of the business, a number of different disciplines. So we uh, are looking at our supply chain to make sure that we are uh, uh, setting up a framework where Indigenous-owned businesses are on our list of uh, vendors so they can participate uh, in uh, supply chain uh, opportunities. Uh, I think uh, uh, training uh, trying to support training for Indigenous communities, uh, individuals to, you know, into the trades or into uh, the utility uh, business. Uh, so those are the near-term opportunities that are, that are, but I would say we're trying to embed more in the organization as opposed to a, an approach where we'd be looking at, say, a major project. We're building a, a power line, we're building a, a facility, and therefore you say, okay, in this, you know, four-year construction, there's lots of opportunities, so then we could approach it that way. But now we're trying to go one step into the organization and be a bit more um, uh, uh, inclusive, if I can use that word, in how we're approaching. So that would be the uh, the near-term opportunities. I think longer term, you know, we're pursuing a fairly aggressive uh, mandate to pursue low-carbon energy opportunities. Renewable natural gas uh, is 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 one. We're looking, you know, uh, 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 solar projects, uh, electric vehicle charging stations. So. You know, there may be opportunities where Indigenous uh, communities may be able to participate more directly in those in certain instances. So that'd be a longer term uh, approach for us, uh, a priority for us as well. That's wonderful, Roger. You, I, I enjoy hearing um, or I'm impacted by hearing that uh, your Indigenous relations initiatives are being embedded across the organization. Um, and in a really intentional way of weaving it into your different lines of business so that it's beyond reaching out um, because in service of building a pipeline or in service of expansion of your services. So um, it's interesting to hear about how that's uh, your process of embedding that across your organization. Um, and I have a question for you per more personally as the leader oh. of the company um, uh, is because I think it's important that um, leaders such as yourself 
um, in in the leadership positions uh, are supportive of these initiatives moving forward. But I also am interested on your personal learning journey. Um, what's been most impactful for you as you're in your role at Fortis and as you're engaging with Indigenous communities and learning about our history and learning about our values and our worldview, is there um, one or two things that have been really impactful for you that has created an individual shift in your thinking or your thought process um, as a leader? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I I would, I would, I would say, first of all, um, how, what I've, in my role, having the opportunity to engage with Indigenous communities as well as other communities, uh, how little I knew of of history, or, or, you know, what you learn in school, uh, you know, what you you read. Um, you know, I think I've uh, in the last number of years in this role and in previous roles uh, engaging with uh, Indigenous communities is just uh, struck by how little I actually knew of our own history. Uh, so I think you know, admitting uh, <laughs> that gap. Uh, 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 it was, was a pretty, uh, uh, I think for me, it was eye-opening just in, in more discussions. The next thing is really just the, the diversity, um, across the Indigenous communities, right? I think, you know, when you're in, in a business role, uh, you try to simplify things, you try to make judgments, you try to, you know, draw parallels on what you've learned before to make, uh, decisions. I think that's how hum- humans, you know, go through their daily life to look for a frame of reference. And I think what, you know, I've come to appreciate is the sheer, diff- just the diversity, the differences. It's not a, uh, you know, uh, you know there, there may be some common traditions, but there's not uh, uh, one approach or a one worldview between uh, Indigenous communities or even within Indigenous communities. Uh, and the, 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 the histories are quite different. So when you start to um, learn and you start to uh, uh, take the time to uh, uh you know, engage in this issue. It's just the, the rich history uh, and the learning is always there, right? And what I think I've also taken away is like myself, how little others uh, have of, of the history. Like when the, when the back to the, the tragedy, uh, the news coming out of Kamloops, was just having a discussion at home. Uh, you know, uh, you know, my kids uh, were asking questions about it. My wife and I had a very good discussion on it. And, you know, what, what struck me was that this is not news to Indigenous communities. It was, this is something that was in, uh, you know, previous uh, uh, requests for support to, 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 to address the issue. But it's it just that it, it got to a level where now everyone was talking about it, right? And having discussions around it. And in that, it's like, wow, I didn't know. And that was a common phrase, right? I didn't know. So I think the, 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 the reflection for me is there's a lot to learn. It's a very rich history that is Canada's history. Uh, and uh, it's an important discussion that you just have to, you know, to use a phrase, uh, 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 before you got you to commit time to it, right? It's not a simple, hey, I'm going to read a, a how-to and then you're done. You got you to gotta commit time to it. And you got to really bring curiosity to the, to the discussion because I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very rich uh, history that we, we all benefit from, from better understanding on. Thank you so much, um, Roger, for sh- for sharing your a bit of your personal journey and and some of the key aspects that have helped you continue to learn, curiosity, um, awareness, and sharing those discussions with your wife and family. 
And um, I'm just going to hand it back over to Kirk to close us up. It's been a rich discussion. And I'll just say one final thing is you're right that the um, 215 uh, children that were found at Kamloops is is one discovery of over 130 residential schools that operated in Canada over 100 years. So this may be the start of another chapter to our journey on truth and reconciliation as we continue to um, uh, go down this path to, to bringing our, uh, the Indigenous children home to our communities and um, providing the opportunity for Indigenous communities to have proper burial and pro cultural protocols around um, their children. So. Thank you for sharing about that and over to you, Kirk, to close us. Well, thank you, Chastity, and thank you for your closing remarks. I think we all echo them. Um, it's very, very important that, that this was raised by you and by Roger. And I want to thank Roger for, for his thoughtful remarks today and, and for the conversation. And of course, you, Chastity, for guiding it. It's really important that we have these conversations in our communities uh, to understand our direction of uh, of our relationships and of course our economy. Uh, our Indigenous Business Leadership Podcast today was focusing of course on entrepreneurship, reconciliation, and I wanna thank Roger Del Antonio of Fortis BC and Chastity Davis Alphonse for their time. I'm Kirk LaPointe. I'm uh, the publisher and editor in chief of BIB. Thanks so much for watching and we'll see you again.